Disco Lady Ada. Hey everybody and welcome to a Sunday night Lady Ada o'clock as it were. It's me Lady Ada at my desk with me Mr. Lady Ada on camera Hello. control. Uh, I've got uh, some fun Desk Lady Ada news, some hardware updates, did a whole bunch of PR testing and hardware building this weekend. So that's all good and uh, we'll also have a great search at the end. So jump in with your questions, comments, uh, well wishes, free donuts and more. Uh, Mr. Lady Ada, do you have any updates or news you yeah. want to tell people about? Uh, last week we moved the show to Thursday. Watch our Thursday show. That was the Ask an Engineer show. Uh, watch it. Great show. Uh, went over why and a bunch of other things. And also, um, if Lady Ada can go to the computer real of fast. Course. Um, so we put out a call for help. We're talking to our community that's on the ground in India, and we're going to find out if we can send PPE. We already got a hold of a few folks. Turns out they don't really need PPE, they need oxygen. And there's a couple projects that are going on. So take a look at the links that I got back from um, our friends uh, that we normally just do like projects with in India and more. Um, but there's a couple like DIY and Maker Made um, oxygen. Uh, I guess they're called oxygen concentrators. Yeah, they, they, they work by uh, using zeolite to absorb nitrogen out of the air. And when you absorb all the nitrogen, what you have left is the oxygen. So that's, yeah. it's like, so, it's oxygen concentrating, but by removing the nitrogen part, they, they require a compressor and cylinders. They're, they're very mechanical contraptions, but so they can be built. we'll see what happens. I mean, we got we a chance to help folks in the U.S. when ventilators were needed. And then ultimately there was this other things like face shields, and we did those, and then um, electronics for you name it. We were building stuff. Um, but we'll see what we can do with rallying the community. The, the thing that we can do immediately is send stuff over to India, if uh, the hospitals need it and we have someone looking into it now, we'll ask our carriers, our shipping partners, DHL and UPS, can we get these through uh, imports in India for customs because um, anything that's PPE gets stopped. So whatever it is, uh, we'll keep our community updated, but know we're on it. We always, this is Adafruit, this is what we do. Um, and uh, our uh, thoughts are with everyone over there. This is, um, it's every day it's been, one of the highest case counts in the world. And oxygen, it might also be distribution, not necessarily the creation of oxygen. Yeah. It might just be the distribution of, of what's needed. So we're going to find out more, but we're, we're watching this. We'll let the community know if there's things that we think that everyone can do, or even not do. You could just keep an eye on the blog post, and we'll continue to update it. Okay, with that being said, Lady Ada, what is on your desk this week? Um, so this week we did a lot of... Um work to add uh, parallel capture support to CircuitPython. It's something that we actually added to Arduino. We had Arduino support for, for the SAMD51. Um, but the RP2040 also has the ability to do parallel capture. And the upcoming um, IMX M7 chips also have a parallel capture capability. And they do like I.O. So basically, they have a way of, of getting a large amount of data through an 8-bit parallel port into the device. Uh, and these are used for camera modules, and we talked about those camera modules um, last week where we showed off the, the header and I showed off my design for a camera module breakout. Um, but actually getting the support into CircuitPython, actually the Sony's presence also, by the way, they did have camera support that they added um, for taking snapshots. And um, a lot of the work with uh, cameras, actually the configuration of the camera, like there's so many like things that you could turn on and off and move and configure and adapt. So a lot of that was, um, not just setting up the peripheral to capture the data, but setting up the camera to send the data over the peripheral. So the SAMD51 has um, a camera capture peripheral. It has um, the um, 
ability to like DMA, you know, fast data into a RAM buffer. Um, the Raspberry Pi RP2040 does it through PIOs and DMA and timers, but it can also do it. Um, so let's take a look on the overhead at um, some hardware built examples because I wanted to test out these uh, PRs. So this here is a Grand Central with one of our TFT shields on it. And um, so the camera, you know, we tried to make it as much as possible. Like we tried to line up the pins as much as possible so you could plug in the camera, but you do have to wire to the red power and, and black ground wires do have to be separately wired because the mega, which we based the circuit, the, the Grand Central off of has five volt power and this is three volt. So the upshot is, you know, and there's also SDA and SCL, whatever. The upshot is that we, you, you do have to um, bring the wires over. But other than that, um, it's, it's very nice to, to plug it in. So you just cut the two pins off and then plug it into the end. And then this TFT is just an SPI um, display. So when this boots up, you'll see it's, um, hold on, let me see if you can see real fast. It is, no, it goes straight. It, it is running CircuitPython, although you, you can't see it, but this is, uh, you know. Is it because CircuitPython is too fast? It's a little too fast in this oh, case. Oh, oh. It booted up and it's. Oh, it's too fast now. It's too fast. Oh, it's too fast now. Too fast. I thought because it was a scripting language on a microcontroller, you may as well just like, like why aren't you cutting your teeth the right way with, uh, yeah. you know. Assembler. Let's see you? if I can get it a little bit I thought, um, dimmer. Okay, so now you can see me. Hi, I'm that in That looks here. pretty fast, too. Yeah, so this is like eight, well. eight frames per second or so, which isn't too bad. Um, and, you know, getting the data, it's actually, I think, a combo of getting the data, and then you have to convert it to 565 format and then uh, piping it out to... Um, the display, but this just gets, you know, it's a good, it's a good way to demo. It's interesting. It has a little bit of a flicker effect. I think the the camera, camera, TFT camera. These are three cameras. Is making it a little flickerier. Like you see a weird, it's a flickerier yeah, effect. You don't, that. you don't see that. Everybody, everybody knows when you look at a camera on a camera. Yeah. But when you tilt it down, it, you know, kind of, you can kind of tell something. Right? Yeah. So, um, so here's, so let me, let me just translate this for y'all keeping score at home. Yeah. All right, so this is what this means. Yes, so now I can see me watching me, yeah? Yeah, no flicker. So this is what this means. Yeah. So if you're doing stuff in Python and you want to do microcontrollers and you know CircuitPython or you don't even know CircuitPython, but you want to do machine learning or if you want to make your own digital camera or if you want the ease of use of something like CircuitPython for microcontrollers and machine learning, this is the first step we're there. So we'll be able to do things like an animated GIF camera you can make yourself. You could do things like recognize a bird. You could do things like edge computing, just doing, uh, is, that, is that a face or not? Yeah. Unconnected to the internet, not sending your stuff to all over. On my controller. Not cloud. In CircuitPython. On CircuitPython. So yeah, we, we, you know, we've done some you know, machine learning-y type things on microcontrollers, but we never actually got to the camera stuff. And I was like, well, if we're gonna do it, I wanna really get all the camera stuff working really well. Um, so this is the first step because I think, you know, with CircuitPython, CircuitPython I think would be a really good match for um, TinyML and TensorFlow Lite because all the all the stuff that takes a lot of computation happens in C in the background. Anyway, the setup stuff, which is the most complicated, like loading the model into RAM, is very annoying to do in C because you have to like include it as a header or like the file system. It should show up as a drive on your computer and you should just drag and drop the models in. Yeah. Like, like we do with our machine learning kits. Yeah. Yeah. 
um, and then the computation still happens in the background, right? And something, you know, this is this is the same if you want. So this is not even overclocked. This is just like the standard one twenty. You mean it could be faster? It, it could be probably. Well, like you know what? Like, let's just not do that. Stop! So fast. Okay. So then we also, like I said, we also are working on the RP twenty forty. The RP twenty forty is still. It's not like buggy, but there's still a little bit more we have to do. So this is the same camera. Okay, I saw a little Blinka Circuit Python. So I know for yeah. sure this is Circuit Python. It's also it also is very fast. It, this one's okay. So this one is I will say it's not as fast because we're still working on it. Wow. Um, that said, you know it's it's a couple frames per second and it has a little bit of a posterization effect, which you you may not be able to tell. But there's something with the bit shifter. Okay, so this is a live camera view of a live camera going into yeah. a Raspberry Pi. RP2040 Pico running Circuit Python. Right. And so this is not a SAMD. Okay. It's not. It's not nearly as fast as SAMD51, and it doesn't have floating point support, and it doesn't have SIMD support. So there. This is definitely not going to be nearly as fast as the SAMD51. On the other hand, which is already too fast. It has two cores, so like it won't be fast, but maybe it'll be fast enough. So I think we could still probably do some um, basic. Um, vision recognition projects, you know, maybe like tracking a red ball or something. So I have to talk to the CircuitPython team tomorrow about what we want to do with this and how we want to integrate, you know, machine learning stuff because OpenMV did a really good job with their MicroPython TensorFlow Lite implementation. It's not CircuitPython-y, it's MicroPython-y, which like only like people who really messed with core and library and they're like oh like the, the way the api is structured i'm like okay this is very micro python-y it's very good it works very very well it's also very specifically for the stm32 so yeah i have a um repo called the many forks of micro python and this is both the strength it's a great fork this is both the strength and one of the challenges everyone takes circuit python they fork it they make it their own and then it never gets back merged into yeah, I, I, so, think it's like, a, I think it's a disparate fork. It's an excellent fork, right? OpenMV fork is, is awesome, and I really love the IDE. So I want to see, like, is there a way that maybe we can include it as a submodule, sort of like we did with Microlab? So I'll, I'll take a look at that. Um, they also did some, like, really cool stuff. Okay, I looked at their code. I, I looked at, at, at the code base they have. So all the camera, they have tons of camera drivers. All the camera drivers are in C. Uh, so they did something interesting. Rather than, like, what we did with our code, you can, you can even see it in our GitHub, is we made... The camera control library is in pure Python, and the image capture in C, obviously, because it has to be. It has to, you have to do it instantly, and like DMA, this full you know buffer of 256k. Um, um, but that said, you know, by the way, in case you're like, hey, how come, how you know, these cameras are like two, you know, 640 by 480. But a lot of the visual recognition stuff, by the way, doesn't need that high resolution. It runs at like 160 by 120 or, or, or even lower. I think some of the TensorFlow Lite for microcontroller projects are like 160 by 120 or 120 by 80. They're very, very small. Um, so even this is lower resolution um, than what the camera can do. Like this image is, is not nearly as big as, you know, some of these cameras can do like, you know, 300 by 200, 3,000 pixels by 2,000 pixels bare, but still, you know, higher resolution. I think there's there's something here that we can we can do. We can use this, and of course, you can configure the camera to send you you know thumbnail images. So, okay. pardon me. So that's that's this vision stuff. So this is actually pulled into core. So if you want to um, try it out, uh, the 751 is in the latest build, which is now 7.00. We've also been doing uh, MicroPython catch-up PRs. Um, Scott's on a roll. I think uh, he did 
1.10 and he's doing 1.11 micropython. So we're going to slowly catch up. So if you've been missing the walrus operator, I think it will be merged soon. Okay, so it's camera stuff uh, that's happening. And of course, we'll make our own breakout and you know maybe we'll make a feather wing with camera stuff. We'll, we'll do something yeah. cool. Okay, so that's the camera All stuff. Right, what's next? So the next thing, uh, also CircuitPython-y, is I saw this in the newsletter, and I thought it was cool. So let's go to um, the computer so I can show this off. So this is U2IF, which is, which is an idea that I've kind of had, and I just never got to it, and I love it when people like do things that I meant to get to. Like, I always, I always hate people like, I had that idea first. Like, I had this idea for, first, maybe, but I don't care because, like, you did it, and I don't want to do it, and, like, you did it for me, and this is great open source software. I love it. <laughs> like, the less code I write, the happier I am. So this is a um, firmware for the RP2040, specifically for the Pico, where you see here the computer. This is a computer. Computer is a Python program. It has MicroPython modules, which we ignore that. It's basically just the, the interface is, is MicroPython compatible through the U2IF interface, through USB, to a Pico, which then has GPIO, SPI, I2C, NeoPixel, etc. What does it sound like? It sounds like Blinka, like our Blinka support for the FT232H and MCP2221. So this is basically a firmware that turns a Pico, $4 microcontroller, into a USB to hardware interface, um, where then you write code on your computer with CPython. So um, Carter uh, did a great job the last few days and added support for U2IF to CircuitPython library support via Blinka. So the same code that runs on a Raspberry Pi, that runs on the FT232H, that runs on the MCP221, that runs on the Pico when it's running CircuitPython, the same as SAMD51, SAMD20, all these chips, same library, same code, will now run on CPython. You just load the UF2 file, right? Drag and drop the UF2 file for this, the firmware for U2IF. And now your Pico is like a little, like a hardware dongle Swiss Army knife, which is sweet because it's so inexpensive. And it's not Fermata. And anything that's not Fermata is awesome. <laughs> um, I've just been burned by Fermata so much. So uh, this actually just got merged and you can see the demo image that Carter made, which is like a breadboard with like so much stuff. So. Um, First up, he's got a button, so digital input works with pull-ups. This is a little potentiometer, kind of barely see it, so he's testing analog inputs. He's got a BME 680, so it's an I2C sensor, a LIST331, another I2C sensor. This is a NeoPixel ring over here, um, a BMP388, so he's got like a lot of sensors, I think a servo going on over here, so it's PWM output. Um, so basically, he tested everything, and uh, it all works. He did a really good job. The only thing that it does that we didn't implement is I2S, because we're like not 100% sure how we want to expose it, because it's, like, it's not normally exposed. We're not sure exactly how, how we want to implement that, and we don't usually provide a blink a layer for I2S. But I2C, hardware SPI, so this TFT is a hardware SPI display, um, GPIO input-output, PWM, and analog input. So... Um, that's cool. So added support for it, and then we went back and forth, and we did some fixes and blah, blah, blah. And basically, we got it merged in like two hours ago. So let's go to the overhead, and I can show my little... We're making things too easy for people to do whatever they want with their computers and their electronics. I know. 
That's what we do. So yeah. here I've got, uh, so this is a pinchiometer. I mean, like, by the way, for the longest time, all folks wanted for, like, art installations or sensors or whatever is, like, look, I just want to run Python on my computer. Can I just plug electronics into it so they can communicate back and forth? It's just, I just want to get... That's all I want. They're like, I yeah. just want to get the sensor data into my computer. I have a Jupyter Notebook thing. I have a spreadsheet thing. Are they processing? I have, I have all sorts of things that are already on my giant computer that could do anything. I have Python on it. I have my 15 different version of Python, you know, just in case I have to, like, do different things. Save them in a little pocket universe. I actually remember, like, it would be like, a, a final project. At MIT, like, an MIT student would have a final project of, like, I want some step sensors that cause a video to play on a computer. Like, that was really, really hard. Like, incredibly hard. Like Here you go, kid. PhD for you. Yeah. And so, and so... I mean, it's a PhD, but it would be, like, a, a, uh, a final project in an art class. Like, okay, how to get... Uh, make a step sensor, right? So it's like two pads that you press on and it makes a contact. And then get that into a computer and have it and play a video. Yeah. And this was like art installation. So this is hard. This, this is, is like super easy. This is now super duper easy. I think yeah. things with Jupyter Notebooks, people are going to do a lot of neat stuff. Yeah. So this is, um, this is an LED. This is the PWM output. And then this is an analog input. So even though it seems like, oh, this is just the resistor for this LED, it's not. I'm actually reading the potentiometer value. Wait, hold on. Alright, Botics Geek Guys says every time I want to interface a microcontroller to Raspberry Pi regular computer, I think of Hermione decide not to go there. Exactly. UTIF will change everything. Yep. Yeah, nobody nobody's a big fan of, oh, of does uh, C Python run on Raspbian? Yes. Anything whenever you run Python at a command line, like Linux or Mac or Windows, it's called C Python. Yeah. Because it's actually written in C. Yeah. Um, normally we would call it Python, but like Python is a language. C Python is the thing that you, when you type Python, that's the program that's running. Um, that makes sense. And then, anyway. would you be able to like get a STEMA involved in this? Yeah, well, we had the STEMA um, 2040 that we showed off, I think, last week or the week before. Yeah. Um, so what, one of the things I saw about this was like, ooh, I'll totally have a port for that, and that way you yeah. can just plug in your STEMA boards, and that'll be a way to add any STEMA. Anyway, so yes, uh, so this is an analog input, and the analog input is in converted to a PWM output. So this is actually testing two things here. And then over here, I've got, um, let me turn this down, this is so bright. This is a distance sensor. And then as I move my hand closer and farther away from the distance sensor, you can see I'm making the NeoPixel lights. This is my NeoPixel test. So, and very fast. And then you can see um, the onboard LED, that's data. So that's every time the message is passed back and forth. So this is very stable. I mean, this has actually been sitting on my desk for a few hours. And I kind of like every few minutes, I sort of like noodle with it. And it's very stable. Um, so the person who did the U2IF code did a great job. So check it out. Right. And then uh, Blinker, we haven't done a release yet. So you'll have to wait till tomorrow when like folks wake up and we'll do a release of Blinka. And then you'll be able to, to use it. And we'll also eventually have a guide. Do, do check out the pinout for the, you can't just use any pin for anything. The ITC pins are kind of like fixed. There's only a couple, you know what I mean? Like they don't, it's not, it's not as flexible as CircuitPython where it's like, use any pin for like anything you want. You have to, there's some pins for some things. It also does a UART mode also. We have to add more right. modes. You got anything else or uh, you want to do some searching? Okay, so that that's, yeah, that's my desk. And so let's, um, let's head into the great search because I just shut off all my hardware. Where
Great Search is brought to you by DigiKey. Thank you, DigiKey, for helping make the Great Search happen every single week. Lady Ada uses her powers of engineering and more to navigate the DigiKey site to search for all the parts and components, and we take requests. And speaking of... Speaking of, we do have a request. We have two requests, so we're going to get to do with this one this week and one next week. So somebody posted on the forums, and they asked... Let's go to the computer. Boop. Okay. They want a latching power relay like the Omron G6C. So basically they said, look, they want a power latching relay feather wing. This is what we've got now. This is the power relay feather wing. And the power relay feather wing has a big sugar cube Omron um, relay. And, you know, you turn the relay on and it, it moves the latch, the, not the latch, the, the throw over to the other pole. And so the, the middle pad of this terminal block connects to the one or the other you know, from the from the sides, either the left side or the right side. Um, and that is a really nice, you know, high voltage friendly and we have a cutout and it's um, it can handle uh, pretty high voltages and high current. So this is 1200 watts. So it can do, you know, five, 10 amps of current uh, for like a, a small appliance. Like it can definitely handle a small toaster oven or um, lamps, you know, fans, lamp, you know, uh, 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 sort of think like small heaters, um, televisions, etc. Appliances, things around your house that use uh, wall power, um, motors, etc. So this uh, feather wing, though, the the relay that it uses is a power relay, but you have to hold the pin high to keep it connected. So basically, like, if you want it to only turn on when you turn the relay on, right, you want the contacts to close to create the circuit when the relay's uh, on, you have to hold that pin high, which does use a lot of current. Um, and the alternative to a normal relay is a latching relay. And a latching relay, you don't have to hold the pin high or energize the relay. You just toggle it, and it sort of, like, clicks and latches the relay into one position, and you move another pin and it latches the relay the other direction. And we do have a um, latching relay feather wing, but it's only this mini style. So you see there's a latching and non-latching. So this one is latching and it takes uh, two pins, a set and unset pin. Um, but this relay is much smaller. This is a telecom relay. So it's only like maybe a half an amp. Not, not very high power, it takes 70 watts or so. Compared to the other one, which is over 1200 watts. So this person had a good point though. I was like, oh yeah, you know, I never made a latching power featherweight. I should do that. I should go DigiKey and search for that because finding a latching um, feather, uh, finding a latching relay that'll fit on a feather is not necessarily easy. A lot of relays are really big. We want something that's really slim. So let's go to the overhead real fast and I'll show that. So this is, I happen to have at home a, uh, a uh, relay feather wing, so you can see it's you know it's kind of chunky, and um, this is you know about 15 and a half millimeters by 21 and a half millimeters by you know about 18 millimeters, um, and it's soldered onto this feather wing. There's a you know it's not taking up all the space. I do have a little bit of room over here, so it can be a little longer, but I really don't want it any wider because you see it's already, it's kind of getting near the edges of the feather. I want it to be uh, narrow. So let's make sure that we get one that's narrow enough 
that fits onto the feather. It can be a little tall. I mean, this is, it's a sugar cube, it's chunky, but I don't want it to, I don't want it to be longer than the feather, wider than the feather ring. All right, so let's go to DigiKey. So let's go to the computer and I'll, uh, I'll do the searching. Okay, so uh, let's search for relay to start. And you're like, why don't you search for latching? Because if it's latching and non-latching, I'd rather just go to the relay section and then search. So, okay, so there's power relays and signal relays. So signal relays, again, like telecom relays, they're less expensive, they're smaller, they're often surface mount, um, but they don't do high power. They do less than two amps. Now, granted that two amps is, you know, is it at low voltage or high voltage? Either way, I definitely want it to be five to 10 amps of current at 240 uh, volt AC. So I definitely don't want the signal. I want the power relay. There's also solid state relays, which are, going to be, they're different. I think, you know, they're not going to be latching. Um, they work in a different way and they don't work for DC voltage. So I want to make sure that this works for AC or DC. I want the mechanical relay. So let's go to the power relay section. So I have 22,000 relays. So let's go with active. Cause I want only ones that are, are you know, I'm going to make a product out of this. Now, normally I would only click in stock, but because there's been so many shortages of components, I'm going to click normally stocking instead um, because I want to make sure it's, you know, there, there could be good ones that are just not in stock right now, but they will be in a couple of weeks or maybe a month or two. I want to find what's the best possible thing because relays are very specific. You know, they're not like um, some components where it's like some silicon components where it's like, well, you know, the op amp or the transistor, I'll just find whatever it is that's good enough. I really, you know, when I pick the one I pick, the mechanical shape is going to be very specific and it's not going to be easy to go to a different one. So I really kind of got to like pick one and be done with it. Okay. So next up, um, the next thing that's really important is the coil voltage. So because it's going to be on a feather wing, uh, it has to be powerable from feathers and feathers are three volt logic. They get five volt power from a USB, but they can also run off of a battery. And in fact, this person who posted said they want to run off a battery, which is why they wanted to be latching. And the batteries, you know, they're four volts or so, but really, you know, they can start dipping down to 3.5. So I, I don't want to require a five volt relay. I want it to be less than that. I think three volts or less to even 4.5 volts is a bit high because remember LiPo batteries, 4.2 volts is about as high as they, they get and there's no I don't want to risk it you know what I mean I want to make sure that if they want the relay to, to activate or deactivate that they can do so so the coil voltage I'm going to select um, 2.2 to 3 volts you, and you'll see this really reduces the number I, right now I think I have like six you know we went, went from 12,000 or sorry 20,000 to 6,000 uh, to now it's only going to be 89 options okay so um Next up, there's, you know, a couple things like, you know, coil insulation or must operate voltage, but none of these are important. So there's now two kind of coil types, right? Because this is why, why are we here? We're here for the latching. So the next question is, do you want single coil or double coil? And I actually didn't know the difference between double coil and single coil until I had to go look for this because I usually didn't matter. But um, when I picked double coil is a little simpler to use. Double coil is you have two pins. And when one goes high, it, the, you know, the relay what latches one way and the other pin goes high, it latches the other way. 
right? So each pin, when you toggle it high. However, what I noticed was is that I had a lot fewer options with double coil and single coil. There's more single coil options because I think the mechanical construction is a little simpler. So I will select both, but I will note that single coil is a little easier and I'll show you how we're actually going to use it when we, when we get to use it. Okay, so the next step is um, do we want single pull, single throw? Uh, not really. Single pull, single throw means it really is either connected or not connected. I like to have it be normally open, normally closed if you have two options. So I'm going to pick the SPDTs and the DPDTs. So you can, you can have something open or closed and, and they, they pick which way they want it. Um, surface mount or through hole? I don't think I'm going to find it a surface mount one, uh, but I'll, I'll leave it all selected. Okay, so going down here, um, I'm going to view the prices at 500 pieces. Just because relays, like one relay is usually like $10 and they quickly go down in price. So I want to compare them at a reasonable price. So yeah, there, there's a couple of good options. So this one is, is sneaky. So there's this telecom relay and you're like, wow, this is surface mount, it looks pretty small. And there's 10,000 in stock, this looks great. Um, the problem is, is that I actually went and looked at the data sheet. Hold on, which hopefully will load. Uh-oh. Oh no, data sheet, you can do it. Okay. So when you look at the data sheet, even though it's in the power relay section, um, if you look at the uh, if you look at the load, the the current is five volts, five amps max, but only at low DC voltages. And and as you get higher, it definitely goes down. And so I think it it doesn't seem to. It said it was okay for AC. Which is probably going to be the same as DC, but basically, it, it's a it's it's a signal relay. It's not a power relay. So even though it's in this category, uh, and it was like very attractive looking. Um, so the next one I looked at was the Omron one, and the reason is it's like well I know Omron ones and they look pretty good. It's inexpensive. It's not in stock right now, but I know that they're normally in stock. I also looked at this TE one, although the pricing is you know, significant. Like this one's two fifty. And then, you know, they get to $4 quite quickly. And I do have to keep it um, price sensitive. So let's, let's look at this relay. So this is a high switching current general purpose latching relay. That's kind of what I want. Um, so this one, oh, this is a confusing day sheet. Okay. So for this one, the thing I noticed was for the single winding latching type, you'll see it goes down to three volts rated, you know, 200 milliamps. Um, but if you are five volts, hold on, this, this is like the trickiest data sheet. Hold on, sorry, this data sheet, it has like this weird page that kind of flips it. Okay, let me move this over. Okay, okay, you see, great. So for the double latching type, over here, you'll notice that the it doesn't have a rating voltage lower than five volts. And that's why, you know, I was, I was having this issue where I was like, oh, I want the double coil because it's easier to deal with. Um, however, when I did double coil, I, I didn't get to find this particular relay because only the single coil version has three volt activation. 
So the um, the difference in how you use it, and let's again hold on, go to yeah. See this data sheet? It's like wide. It's kind of an interesting data sheet. So this is this single. This is a single coil relay. This is what it looks like. So you see, there's there's you know one coil and there's one pin, and then when one pin is high and one is low, um, it pulls the um, armature one way. And then when you invert it, so the other pin is high and one pin is high and the other one's low, the armature moves the other way. Why does this matter? So normally, if you have a double coil latching relay, of course you have to put a lot of current through the coil. So you're going to have two transistors, one for each coil, to help you drive that current through the coil, right? So you have, it's basically like a solenoid. You have two power transistors of some sort, you know, enough that can uh, pass 200 or 300 milliamps. And then you can turn each one, you know, high or low uh, using that power transistor. With a single coil relay, you have to treat this like a motor. It's, it's, it's kind of like a bidirectional motor. So you actually need an H-bridge for this because you need to pull a lot of current through one way and then pull it a lot of current the other way. It's basically an H-bridge. A little more annoying because now you need four transistors instead of two. However, it's $1.50 less in price and there's more options available. So, you know, I'm probably going to do that. It's not a big deal. I can You can make an H-bridge out of you know four transistors. It doesn't have to be a great H-bridge because it doesn't have to stay on for a very long time. It doesn't have to be on long enough to latch the relay one way or the other. So it can be like a kind of like, you don't have to use the best transistors in the world. That should be good enough. And then you just have to have four uh, diodes as well as flyback diodes for um, this. But basically you have to treat it like a motor. Um, this is the single pull, single throw version. And oh man, this, this data sheet, man, it's kind of weird. And this is the uh, double pull, double throw. So this is the one I'm actually gonna get. And you can, I'm just going to double up, you know, I don't, it has, you know, multiple pins for some reason. I don't know why they're, they're actually inside. It's only one relay. So I don't know, twice as much current goes through. Maybe, I don't know. And then again, this sneaky, I do not like this data sheet. Okay. And then over here, you can see the, if it's a single um, a double coil, you see how it works inside. There's actually, it is one coil, but it's doubled up. And then you have to kind of like pull it from the middle. And uh, that's why I guess you can't use it with three volts. This is a five volt only, um, but I need three volts. So, you know, my decisions have kind of been made for me. Um, that's okay. This is a pretty good relay. So let's, next up, you know, now that we've decided, okay, we're going to do the H-bridge, we're going to do the um, single single coil. Let's look at the mechanics. Oh, my God. This data sheet. Eh. Okay. Well, these are all mechanically the same size. So this is 29 by... 12.7 by 15.5. So let's go to the overhead again real fast and we'll see how this compares. So lengthwise, this one is 22 or so. And the one we're picking is about 29. So I like to sort of measure it. So it's, okay. it's going to be a little bit longer, but not, you know, it's not longer than the feather. So that's fine. And then for width, it's going to be 12.7. And this is 15.5. So it's going to be thinner. 
it's going to be kind of significantly thinner. It's going to be a little thinner. It's going to be skinny like that. And then for height, it's 15.5 millimeters, which is, I'll just do it here and you'll just have to trust me. So that's, that's about 15.5. So it's actually a little bit shorter as well. So it's, a, it's basically going to be a longer, thinner, shorter version of this relay, but it'll definitely fit on the featherwing. So I'm going to order some of these samples. Um, since the three volt one isn't in stock, I'm probably going to pick up like the six volt one and then I'll just like jury rig it to, you know, get it tested and, and trying it out. Um, I'll feed it six volts and then get the mechanics set up and then I'll be able to convert it to the three volt version uh, when I finish and then do the testing uh, before I release the product. So the winner of this week's The Great Search is this Omron G5R LU1E DC3. You're the winner of this week's Great Search. Thank you. So here's some questions that came Great. in, and someone's typing one up. Okay. Uh, so we'll get to a few of them. Um, someone said I could see using SBC, using the U2IF to talk to one or more microcontrollers or small cameras. Mind blown. Yep. Um, so does that uh, really need an H bridge? It does need an H bridge. Okay. So I'm gonna have to craft one up, but I'm just gonna use some, you know, FET transistors, whatever I've got, and I'll just lay them out. Right. Um, I'm not going to use like a motor driver. I, I don't need something that good because again, it only needs to pulse on. I don't right. have to worry about low resistance in the transistors because they, they're only pulsed. They're not going to be on for a long time. And then uh, one of our friends from Show and Tell who had their open source power chair, they're um, starting with a richer kit to get old power chairs functioning again. Basically, stripped the chair down to the frame, seat, and motors, putting it the kit. And the kit will be completely open source. So there's a couple of biz questions. And I'm going to um, always say we can't give legal advice, but we'll give you advice. That's and right. And we'll share our stories. I can give some interesting yeah. advice, but I can't give so, advice. So here it is. I was talking with a lawyer that volunteers with SCORE, and he kept talking about a lot of uh, pressing to get my thing patent. And what I'm doing is intentionally easily duplicatable. So to me, what's the point of patenting? Then I wonder if he's just uh, really just practiced what true open source is in product production. So. Here's what I will tell you. Um, at this stage, and you know, based on the project you're doing, it doesn't make sense to do a patent at all. Because you should start to get it out there. You should publish, you should uh, put it up online, and I know, a, you know a lawyer will say things like, well, once it's out, someone can be first to file. Um, it's much better to get it out than to worry about this. It's kind of like spending forever thinking of a company name or a logo. Um, Get that idea out of your head. And you have a year to file. Well, even if even if you didn't, it's okay. Yeah. And um, the the things that are that are worth protecting are not things like modifying a power chair and making it open source and reusing it. That's not something that's like, oh my gosh, I need to protect this because this is this is such a big idea that we've invested millions in. Mm -hmm. Get it out there and do the best you can and publish it and use that to move on to your next big idea, your next big project. Mm. At some point, if you get enough things going and you have an electronics company or if you have an invention company, then try your hand at patents. We are not a hypocrite. We decided to try to get one patent just so we could give it away 
And the process was so long, by the time it was finished, we already released like 1,500 new products. So if we only sat around and waited for a patent to get approved, we would just be 1,500 products yeah, short. Yeah, lawyers will always tell you to patent stuff because they, they make money when you patent stuff. Yeah, and it, for patents, it's great for some people. But for what you're doing and you want to be in the open source community and you want to do all this stuff, do this and you can always think about it later. But trust me, this isn't a thing to spend that time and that money on. Yeah, it is, just, it is a lot of You're time. basically repairing um, I haven't seen any company. I haven't seen any company succeed or fail because of a patent thing. And at the higher level, they just use these nuclear arms. Yeah. It's like, well, it, it is, it is we're going to nuke a, you with our patents, and if, if you nuke us with your patents. Yeah, it's 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 Cold War patent diplomacy. So, right, any I, other uh, yeah, any other questions? Yeah, no, this is, this is what we're here for, to yeah. give this type of advice. Uh, let's see. Um, let's, oh, this is the first stream of y'all's I properly caught. Just received my digi orders that I made thanks to the power of Lady Ada and the Great Search. Yeah. This works. Great power. You watch the great search. From great you, power comes great searching. You save a lot of time, and then you place orders. Okay. I assume resetting the latch is why you need an H bridge. So could you use a non-latching and avoid the H bridge, or do you need latching for some reason? The, if you check out the the post, uh, the person really wanted a latching relay. So yeah. that that was not uh, debatable. Okay. All right. Um. I'll see if this other uh, question comes in, and then. Uh... Are the T-shirts like Lady Ada's wearing available now? Uh, no and Pedro made this for me. You can you can uh, check. They have video streamers. They show how to make your own T-shirts yeah. by ironing. We they do iron so on. So we have this thing where we just don't put the Adafruit logo on stuff, besides our circuit boards. Yeah, we don't do that. Um, I've seen a lot of like tech companies put like their logo on shot glasses and like all sorts of stuff. This is not our vibe. Like we're just like, well, let's make the lo let's keep the logo special. So when you see it on something like a circuit board, you're like, oh, this is yes. You can yeah. buy circuit. You can buy. But our we logo do appreciate. It. I want to do something. You can make a T-shirt out of circuit boards. Yeah, I want to do something in the lines of um, clothing and apparel, but you know. Yeah. All right. So I think that's it. I think All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll continue to answer biz questions each chat. So just uh, save them up for you, and uh, that's it. All right. Thanks, everybody. All right. See you during the week. And once again, please continue to check our site. We're going to try to. Check in with our friends, family, community in India and see what we can do. Oh, let me just make sure this one just came in. Uh, the whole idea is making this to get people mobile to me. It's the idea of helping people who want to produce a consumer. Yeah, yeah, okay, great. So, yeah, don't, lawyers will tell you, uh, here's my, alpha, in closing, you won't get a direct answer out of a lawyer either. If you say, should I patent this, they'll say, well, if you don't patent it, then you can't patent it. Like, they won't tell you, they won't look at your idea and say, hey, this doesn't make sense for this. Lots of other things totally makes sense for patents. Even as flawed as a patent system is, there are reasons for certain things. Mm. And I would always say like, oh yeah, like you just invested like $45 million in this thing that you know helps discover the X and the Y and the Z and it's a process and you want to recoup your money over the course of a few years. Sure, patent is kind of like a thing. But there's other things too. There's copyright and trademarks. Even when you do open source, people have to abide by the license because it's copyright. And for trademarks, you can trademark the name of your invention. You can just say, hey, copy it all you want, just don't call it that. So you have lots of, lots and lots of things. 
Um, and then someone's going to ask, can I put the uh, logo, the show and tell on shirts? Yeah, sure, you can do that. Just do it for you. Don't sell them. Because that'd be weird. Just do it for yourself. Okay. All right. Thanks, everybody. That. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye.